Okay, so welcome back to Kilas Chaverim, to the Shiran Svasemis. This week on Precious told us. And we're going to be focusing on the wells. Okay, we have Yitzchak digging wells. And it's always fascinating when something that seems to be a peripheral topic gets so much ink in the Torah, right? That was the famous comment about Eliezer's whole process of finding Rivka last week, that so much is written about it, even though certain very basic halachas only get a few words sometime in the, in the Torah. So here we find that there was famine. It says, Okay, so this is what brings Yitzchok into the land of the Plishtim, where the king was Avimelech. And eventually, right, Yitzchok goes and he has to, right, dig wells. So we find, it says that Yitzchok gained a lot of property, became very wealthy. Right, he had lots of cattle, and the Plishtim were jealous of him. So now, all of the wells that the servants of his father was Avram dug in the days of Avram Avir. Okay, that's a very strange thing to do. Remember, we're in the Middle East, and water is extremely precious, and they had wells, they dug them. And here the Plishtim came and blocked up those wells. Okay, in other words, it's not like they just took the water for themselves. They blocked them. And then, uh, this, is, this is in um, Perkovov, right now around Pasuk Tesvav. Okay, we're just going to be hopping through these things. Avimelech tells Yitzchak, listen, you're too big for us, move on. And he goes to Nachal Gur. And again, he redigs wells that were dug by... In the days of his father Avram, the Plishtim had covered them up. And he called them the same names that his father had called them. Okay? So the idea of naming wells is also interesting. Some people name their cars. Right? I had a car I called Bessie once. But your well that you give a name is interesting. Okay? Now again, these wells are a Be'er Ma'im Chaim, it says. This is not just uh, like throughout Yerushalayim, you have these water cisterns that during the winter they collected the rainwater, and you would drink that all the summer season. Okay, now they've covered them up mostly so kids don't fall in there, but there are some around here in the neighborhood for sure. This is a Be'er Ma'im Chaim means when you dug and you find a source of running water. Extremely valuable, right? And the shepherds there in Gror fought with the shepherds of Yitzhak, and they said, Lonu HaMaim. And he called the name of this bear Eisek, Ki it was called Asik because they argued with him. He dug another well, and they argued about that one. He called it Sitna, right from this lotion of Satan, of opposition. Finally, he moved from there. He dug another well, and nobody argued about it. Right, like the city nowadays. It's now Hashem has been expansive with us. He's given us this um, comfort, this freedom, and we can be fruitful in this land. 
What is going on with the wells? The Svasemis spoke about the wells year after year after year in all sorts of different directions. What they represent, what the names represent, what's the conflict going on, what's the idea of Yitzchak redigging wells that Avram had dug that had become blocked up. So we're going to go along with the Svasemis and a few of the threads that he has in the way that he explains it. We're really going to choose two. Number one is the interplay of the Midah of Avram Avinu in the Midah of Yitzchak. The Midah of Avram Avinu is the Midah of Chesed, right? Loving kindness, Ahava, love. The Midah of Yitzchak is the Midah of Din, of judgment, of Yira, fear and awe. Those are the two Midahs. So here is how, let's start off, we're going to be riding along with the Svasemis from year to year looking for common threads in some of these years. Okay, so starting off, he quotes his grandfather, right? He was brought up by his grandfather, Chedush Yorim, the first Ger Rebbe. His father died when he was young. He said, my grandfather said, the Indian of the Be'eros is lachpor limtso he'ara ha'gnuzan isteres begashmius v'chitzonius. We're all well diggers. The idea of a well is that externally you look at the ground and you see dry earth. Underneath there is flowing living water. He says, in the same way, there's light, spiritual light behind everything physical in this world. Rechovot, he said, is actually Shabbos. Shabbos is the day in which you're able to really tap into a wellspring which is what he refers to so often, the kuda pnimis. The kuda pnimis means that spark of godliness that is in everything that exists. Without it, nothing would exist. And on Shabbos, the reason it's called rechovot, that it expands, is because it lights up even the physicality. Right? It, it affects all of it. So this is um, the unique thing. Right? They say, oh, Shalom Avram. The Slonim Rebbe paraphrased what we say in Zemiros, Kodesh Lochem Shabbos Amalka, that on Shabbos, even the things of Lochem, even the physical things, right, have Kedusha. So this is one aspect of digging the wells. He says during the week, you have the wells which are called Esek and Sitna, that there was conflict because you have to fight during the week to remember that there's Kedusha inside of everything and to dig to find it. He says, in order to do that, you really have to fight. And you have to hate the Yetzirah with all of your might in order to get to the truth and the good, which is really inside of everything. Now, here he gives us a very important point. He says, the Avoda of the Ovos was really for us. Okay, This is something that's referred to in the students of Kotsk a few times about this question. If the Ovos were such tzaddikim, why did they have to go through so many difficult incidents? Why did they have to go through so much rough stuff? Right? Shouldn't they have been able to, let's say even the, the idea of seeing the spirituality and everything physical, if that's what digging the well is, why should anybody be fighting them? He said they did that all for us. The Ramban who explains that all of Sefer Bereshis is based on the principle, Maisa Ovos Simen Labonim. Everything that the Ovos did is preparing the way for us. So he said, it's true, Yitzchak could have gone right to that third well that was called Rechovos. He could have tapped into the spirituality easily without anything, but he needed to prepare the way for us to deal with the opposition, to deal with the difficulty, and to be able to dig that out. 
One beautiful example, just this principle, stepping to another incident, is the idea of Yaakov Avinu dressing up as Esau to get the brachas. So I saw it brought from the Kotzka Rebbe, some I think bring it even from Urbunim Peshischa. So first of all, you know, why did Yaakov need the brachas so much? Okay, in, in other words, Yaakov himself was going to be a tzaddik. He was going to get his, his own bracha, right? Like there was one of the famous gedolim when he was a little boy, there was a fire in the parents' house. He, I don't know if his father was alive. His mother had had this document that showed the yichus of the family all the way back to I don't know who, and it got burnt up. So his mother was very upset. He said, what's the problem? I'll start a new one, okay? In other words, this is not... The world says like Yichas is like a potato, 99% of it's under the ground. So the, the, the idea, okay, so, so if Yitzchok doesn't give me a bracha, I'm going to do the work, and the tzaddik is, is a vessel for bracha. He said, Yaakov had to do this for us, for the Jew in the future. He says, imagine yourself looking into that room. Yaakov Avinu comes in looking like Esau, saying, I am Esau. Now he was really Yaakov. But he looked like Esau. He said, Ani Esau I am Esau. He was getting the bracha for us. For a Jew that becomes so distant from himself, he doesn't even know who he is. He doesn't look like a Jew. He doesn't talk like a Jew. He even says that he's somebody else. Yaakov wanted to be sure that that bracha would come to that Jew as well. So this is the idea that he says that everything the others are doing, they're doing for each and every one of us at different times. Huh? So it could be sometimes that that's the opening, right? That the V'yitin L'cha'elokim gets, gets it going. They say V'yitin starts off with the Vav. That's the Vav of connection. Right? Sometimes, like you see, a Shabbos meal and a good chicken soup, believe it or not, sometimes is the beginning of the connection of the person. So he says, this is it. He said, they could have accessed these things easily. They went through this so we could find what's hiding. Okay, so this is the first picture he's giving us of the digging of the wells. The digging of the wells is the idea of reaching the light, which is hidden under the physicality and external aspects of the world, of realizing that you can struggle, you can get to it, and you can draw on that wellspring of life which is there. Okay, so that's a start. Moving on, we find in another year, he says like this, what were the plishtim doing clogging up the wells? What does that represent? It says the plishtim clogged them up, he went and redug them, so he says, he says, this is a pattern that goes through all of us. You've got to remember, the wells were first dug by Avram, they were clogged up by the Plishtim, and Yitzchak opened them up again. He says, The mid of Avram, the wellsprings he dug, were love, desire. And a person, their first steps in wanting to be an Ovid Hashem comes because you're having some kind of positive experience. You feel it. You love this, right? You go and you connect. That's the aspect of Avram Ohavi. He says, but how does it get clogged up? Love can be dangerous. Okay, love, which is also corresponds to water, it goes everywhere. 
right? It isn't bounded. The whole midah of chesed is going beyond boundaries, going, and it can get sometimes to the wrong places. Once you're in that love mode, right, you can end up loving the wrong things and not having the right boundaries. So he says, that clogs it up. You're in that love mode, but then suddenly you end up loving a hamburger with your meat of ava, and it gets corrupted. So the tikkun comes through the bechina of Yitzchak. Yitzchak is the idea of your shemayim. And he brings to the Sraim HaKadoshim, right? He says, we'll look at the sources soon. He says that true, the simon for true ava is that it results in yira. Okay, true love of Hashem means the person is also going to have that fear and awe and that carefulness about what's going on. Those two go together. And he says that's what's symbolized by Avraham Holid Es Yitzchak. The Midah of love of Avraham gave birth to the Midah of Din in Europe of Yitzchak. Okay, let's see a couple of the sources on it. There's um, the Rekinati. It was a great Makubal. He said that Yira has two different forms. Yira Pnimis, the inner Yira, the Yira Chitzonis, external Yira. Yira Chitzonis is a lower level than love, than Ahava. But Yira Pnimis, inner Yira, is a higher level than love. How? He says, Yira Chitzonis is you're afraid to transgress what the king commanded because you're afraid you might get punished. Okay? Yira Pnimis Inner yira is, once you understand somewhat who your creator is, and you feel, I can't believe that Hashem lets me get this close. I'm able to enter the palace. I'm able to talk to him. And your greatest fear is that something will happen, that you'll do something that will spoil that, and that you'll be distanced, and you won't be able to enter the palace anymore. He says, the yira here comes from his great love, and his desire to be close to the king and to serve the king, that yira is even higher than Ahava. Okay? And this is the yira which Avram gave birth to, so to speak. And he himself had it, as we saw at the Akedah. It says, now I know, ki lokim ato, that you have this yira. Okay? So the two can go together. Sometimes people think, yeah, they've got to be an Ahava guy or you've got to be a yira guy. Okay, and most people opt for the Ava because to be a Yira guy doesn't sound like very much fun. There's, uh, listen to a word that was said. There's, there's a Rav here in Yerushalayim. His name is Rabbi Yaakov Katz. And his father of Dov Katz wrote like the most famous uh, histor- history biographies of the Musr movement called Tnu Asa Musr. So I was at an Onik Shabbos once when he was there. And some guy asked kind of a chutzpah question. He said to him, why is it that Hasidus failed, Hasidus succeeded and Musser failed. So he said, um, I don't agree with your premise. By the way, it's, it's a mistake when people, you know, pretend that those two approaches to Torah are, you know, adversaries. They absolutely never were, and in many ways worked together. Okay, but that was the question he asked. He says, I'm not accepting your premise per se, but I'll tell you the following. He says, between a real Baal Musser and a real Hasid, there's very little difference. But if it's a question of being a fake chassid or a fake musernik, it's a lot more fun to be a fake chassid. Right? <laughs> That's why I told that to a chassid Sherevi who praised it greatly. Okay, so that was so good. All right, so, um, so this is the idea. He says, 
the, the, the Yira and the Ava go together. The Ramban says that usually in this world, Ava and Yira don't go together. Those two things. But when it comes to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, those two things are intimately connected and the Yira comes from the Ava and that is the greatest and best Yira that there is. So now we see that these wells that Avram Avinu dug, wells of Ava, unless they're tempered by Yira, those can be very dangerous. Okay, And the person doesn't have boundaries, and sometimes that love gets diluted by love for all sorts of other things, and that's how it can get messed up. Okay, so this is the transition that we have. Moving along a little bit more. Shin Yud Zayin. Right, this is in the year Tafresh Lamed Hay. He brings the pasuk that we chirp in benching, Yiru as Hashem Kedoshav, Kien Machsa Lireyav. Right? That the, those people who are Kadosh, who are dedicated to Hashem, should have fear of Hashem, or they do have fear of Hashem. Kien Machsa Lireyav. People who fear Hashem aren't missing anything. Okay, what's that pasuk telling us? Why is it particularly people who fear Hashem, not people who love Hashem? So he explains like this. He says... Even though the Madrega of Kedusha, he says, comes after Yira in the, in the listing of Pinchas ben Yoyer that like the Sefer Mesil Sisharm is based on, he says, nonetheless, when a person is connected to Yira Shamayim, even though that Yira Shamayim means he might not be able to go up as high in levels of Kedusha as he would want to. Right? In other words, Sometimes a person feels, I can really fly high in terms of getting close to Hashem. The only problem is, right, I can do it in ways that aren't necessarily what the Torah says. It sounds strange if the person thinks they could do it. Let's, one of the most common applications, let's say, in terms of outreach to other Jews. I could bring so many Jews close, you know, if I can just ignore this halacha. Right? If, I can, if I can ignore this halacha, right, I, I, I can do it, right? And I'll bring so much holiness into the world. He says, Meaning, he says, if Yerashamayim is tempering your journey to Kedusha, he says, you won't be missing anything. He says, even if you step back from doing something because of Yerashamayim, you won't lose from it. We quote here, in the footnotes from another parsha in Parshas Bahar, where he talks about this, he says like this, this, appear, this applies to every person, that a person has to have that midah of yira, and even though, he says, there might be some mitzvahs and maizim tovim that you won't be able to do because of yira, right? There's something good you could do, but it's going to put you in a place that's very dangerous for your spirituality, and you might not be able to handle it. He says, if it's l'shem shamayim, if the reason you're stepping back, the real reason you're holding back is saying, listen, Hashem, this whole thing is about what you want in the world. If you don't want me to take that step, so then either I'm not supposed to accomplish that or I'm supposed to accomplish it another way. He says, You won't miss anything. Even doing a little, but doing it within the framework of Yeras Hashem, that will have bracha because Hashem's presence is there. That's the posuk Yiras Hashem Kedoshav Kein Machsur Lireyav. 
So here we see this important interplay between Ava and Yira, and it's especially important to see this from sources in Hasidus, because some people have this stereotype that Hasidim, they're all about Ava, right, and all about love, and yeah, locha and this, you know, we don't want the Yira that's such a downer, you know, and all these things. No, if you look really at, right, the way Hasidish communities created this balance, ones that are really connected to tzaddikim, so you see that the two work together and play together. Okay, now we're going to introduce the second approach of the Svasemis with a muscle from the Shpoler Zedi. Okay, and this will explain to us the idea of the thirst and the wells getting blocked up in the reed digging. Shpoler Zedi didn't do ones like this. He said, the Yetzirah was created by Hashem, and he comes to Hashem one day, and he says, I'm bored. What did you create me for? So Hashem says, I have this person down there in the world, Avraham Avinu. He's big stuff. He's going to do all this stuff for my plans, for the Kedusha. I created you to oppose him. Go get him. So Yetzirah trudges off right to Avraham Avinu's tent. He knocks on the door. Before he can even make his presentation, he says, like, hi, I'm the, Avraham Avinu, like, picks him up. He says, oh, a traveler, you must be tired. Come, let's wash your feet. Have something to eat. Have something to drink. Did you like it? Say thank you to Hashem. Which way are you going? Let me show you on your way. Thank you. Door closes, and he messed up. All right, he licks his wounds. He comes back to Hashem after a while. He says, I'm bored. All right, he says, okay. Remember that guy, you know, that you didn't succeed with last time? He's got a son now. He's called Yitzchak. So the Yitzchak prepares himself. He says, okay, I'm not going to fall for that whole thing again. He's going to give me coffee. He's going to give me cake. I am not going to get distracted. He comes, he knocks on the door, and he says, um, good afternoon, right? I'm the Yitzhahara. Yitzhah Avinu takes out a stick, and he starts beating the living daylights out of him, and he goes right away. Yitzhah Avinu's miras hadin. Right, you're out of there. He has to go and recover a bit after a while. Once more, he trudges up before Kisya Yaakov, and he says, I'm bored. He says, there's his third generation now, Yaakov. So he really tries to prepare himself. He says, okay. If he tries to, you know, love bomb me with all this kindness and stuff, I'm going to be ready for it. If he comes on the attack, I'm going to be ready for it. He knocks on the door. Yaakov answers. He says, uh, afternoon, I'm the Yitzhahara. He says, what's that? Well, like, I try to get you to do stuff that Hashem doesn't want, but it's really fun. And Yaakov says, why would anybody do that? He's the meat of Emes. The truth, it just it doesn't talk to him. It doesn't go, and he had to slink off and uh, eventually ends up messing with us. And, but, but this the Shpoler Zedi is saying this to give the following thing. Different generations have different challenges, and those different challenges need different tools and approaches to deal with them. I remember I had a teacher in high school who said that his grandfather had learned in the Volozhin Yeshiva, and he said his grandfather told him, what was the Yitzhahar in Volozhin? The guy would go to his room at night, look around, you light a candle from under your mattress, you pull out a book of German philosophy. Right? And you sit there reading some Kant or Hegel, whoever it is like that. Right? He says, right, now you take a teenager, you have to hold a gun to their head to get them to read it, and they might tell you to pull the trigger. Right? It's like we have no relationship to that Yitzhahara. Whereas, you know, suddenly if you take those guys from Volozhin and you would put them online, with today's Yetzirahs, they might look at Why would anybody waste time looking at that? <laughs> it's just they, they, they wouldn't get it. Okay, but then again, the tools that fought that Yetzirah are not the tools that fight the Yetzirahs of today. There are the different things at each time. And this is a good thing. This is how Torah 
expands and spreads in different ways. So we're going to see how the Svasemis explains this. He says like this. When it says, There was a famine during the time of Avram. Now there was a famine during the time of Yitzchak. He says these different famines come because they represent a hunger in the world that has to be fixed by Torah. He says after every tikkun, there's a new hester. There's a new hiding, a new covering up. Avram Avinu called out the name of Hashem. He brought chesed into the world. He brought the message of Hashem to so many people in the world. Okay, but he says the Yitzhahara doesn't sit down for that. There's a new attack and there's a new approach which is needed for it. He says, If Avram Avinu's path didn't get hidden, Right? It didn't work anymore. It wasn't doing it anymore for the people in Yitzchak's generation. Yitzchak wouldn't have been able to find and develop that pathway of Yira that was necessary for his generation. He said that's why there was a hunger. And that's why Yitzchak had to redig wells and eventually had to dig his own well because he was the one who had the answer for that which is there in that generation. Now again, it doesn't mean that he was on a different track than Avram Avinu. But the emphasis which is there in his year, like we said, was born out of Avram Avinu's Ava. Each generation is built on the other ones, and that's why it's always a mistake. If you see that something that was done in the previous generation isn't working for this generation, it doesn't mean that these guys were wrong. It doesn't mean that their Torah wasn't legitimate. It is. And whatever Torah is in this generation has to stand on the shoulders of that Torah and has to be legitimate. But the many facets of Torah have to meet and approach the challenges of each generation in their way. And that's why Hashem makes them stop working. That's why sometimes what excited one generation in Torah doesn't excite the next generation. And oftentimes like parents are boggled. Why don't they love that? I loved that when I was a kid, right? They don't like it. Why didn't you want to go to that yeshiva? That's the yeshiva I went to. It was really great. Why does he want to go to my yeshiva? He visited. He said, no, I don't like it. Okay, is that a terrible thing? No, because new things come out, new things develop, new forms which are there. He describes it further like this. He says, I've already written that the wells that were blocked up by the plishtim were so that Yitzchak Avinu could open a new opening. That's why there was a special clogging of Avram Avinu's wells. It stopped working because that gives you the strength to find more wellsprings. And the fact that there's opposition is what brings that out in you, right? If things were going along okay, so we're not very inventive. We're not very creative. But when things stop working, that's when we dip into the Torah and we pull out from the new wells. He says you have to search for it, it says in Mishle. You have to search for it like buried treasure because it is buried. But if you look for it, you'll find it. Okay, so this is what we have. And he says, in fact, that's talking more in a national sense. And we'll give examples of this in a second. We're getting to the stories in a minute. Okay, but he says, even in terms of your internal world, he says, Bechol Prat, every individual, Gamkin, there are all sorts of different things that end up blocking your path 
upwards. One day it's one, one day it's another. He said, you know what? That's why you have a toolbox. You have different midos, you have different attributes. You need all of them to serve Hashem. Right? He says, Sometimes you have to pump up your mito of yira because something is blocking you that needs yira to clear the path. Sometimes you need to inculcate simcha and tap into your internal simcha in order to do it. Sometimes you have to tap into chachma and to have wisdom to navigate which is there. He says, and you know what? After you fix something a bit and you succeed and you move on, there's going to be another obstacle and something else you're going to have to fix. And you have to learn to look at that process as enriching because you're discovering what's the powers in yourself, the powers of Torah in yourself, and your relationship with Torah is there because you're looking to the Torah and you're saying, teach me how to deal with this. I know that the Torah is eternal. I know that Hashem knew these things were going to happen and be invented and the Jews would move here and Jews would move there. And that means the solutions are there, but I need to find them. Okay, and you can see this throughout history. All of these great movements that happened, whether it's Hasidus, whether it's the Muslim movement, whether it's Hirsch in Germany, whether the new and inventive things we have in Torah in our generation, legitimate things, legitimate things which are true Torah, but are pulling from the wellsprings of Torah and speaking to the people and the things they have, that only happens because the wellsprings are blocked. That's why it's there. So I was told, I believe it was the Tal Rebbe who told us this about the last meeting that Rav Shlomo Volba had. Rav Shlomo Volba was a great Balmusser and Mashgich in many yeshivas. Last meeting he had in his life, he gathered together Mashgichim from different yeshivas in Yushalayim, and he said, I hear that there's a problem that like guys are enrolled in yeshiva, but out in the middle of the night, you can find them in the middle of town, you know, hanging out two, three in the morning. So first, you know, they tried to say, well, what do you want? There's always been, you know, bad apples in the barrel or something. But he'd actually, somebody film right around Kikar Tzion with the timestamp, 2 a.m. on whatever night. It's all these yeshiva guys sitting around, you know, smoking hookahs and this, that, and the other thing. And he asked them, he says, what should be done about this? So one row said, he said, ah, I have an idea. We should make a standard policy among all the yeshivas that every Sunday there'll be a test on the material learned in the yeshiva the previous week, and any student who doesn't get at least an 80 is thrown out of yeshiva. So Revolva said, um, how's that going to help anything? Well, there's be more guys on the street. So another one said, oh, wait, he said, I know. When I was, when I was young, when I was a young buck, you know what really got me into it? I would say chaburas, right? You make a group of guys together. Every week, one guy has to deliver a chabura, a chiddush, an explanation on the sugya. It's challenging, it's fun, it's exciting. You know, Volvo said, I don't think that's what these guys are missing. He says, I don't think so. So they asked him, so what is it? He says, I don't know. But it's your duty to find out. What are they missing? What is empty? What are they trying to fill? Every generation has to discover that and has to find those aspects of the Torah that are there, that address that, that connect the people. You can't keep doing the same thing when it's not working. And also, for some people it does work, and for some people it doesn't. And you need to be able to reach into that toolbox in all those different ways. That's why, you know, as you're snoozing off in the middle of laying the Shabbos, Yitzhak dug this well, he dug that well, 
This one was called opposition. This one was called fighting. The Plishtim threw mud and rocks in the wells. What do we care? That's us. That's the story of us, our people's history. It's the story of us as individuals. I just wanted to share a story that's uh, at least in the theme of digging wells. And perhaps very well, uh, it's, it's connected to that power that we inherited from them. It's a story that was famous. I actually heard this from a Jew who was on this death march with the Kloisenberger Rebbe, and he told me he was there and said he, re he remembered this happening. Many, many people remembered this happening. This was a, a famous, infamous death march where the Nazis had taken many people from concentration camps to, as slave laborers to clear out the Warsaw Ghetto, just to clear out the rubble. Right, again, under horrible terms, working on this, again, having to see the dead bodies that were there. And then, right, as they were, they were really retreating from the Russians at this time as well, so they arranged a death march. 4,000 Jews, right, who were already in terrible physical condition, and they were supposed to be going at a run about 35 kilometers a day. The Nazis were following them with jeeps and motorcycles, and attack dogs, and anyone who couldn't keep up would get shot and or beaten. And along with that, they didn't let them have any water. They started off by giving them something salty to eat, and then they went and no water. At one point, they passed a river, and some Jews headed toward the river. They were shot. The Kalesmerger Rebbe said he tried to, you know, to grab some leaves that had some moisture on them to suck the moisture out. This went on, this was already the third day. And the Chazal say that death by thirst is the worst of all, of all deaths. And all people could think of was water. And it was very hot. This was just around Tisha B'Av. It was extremely hot. So it says that they lay down one night. They could barely move anymore. Right? The Nazis had gone to sleep as well in their places. And suddenly a whisper went out among the Jews that the Kloisenberger Rebbe said that everybody should dig. Now, it seemed strange and what that would help, but they knew that to take him seriously because sometimes along the road there'd been a puddle of water that was so clearly poisonous, right, contaminated, and Jews just wanted to drink that. And the Rebbe said, don't, it's suicide. Right? And he held them back from that. So here, if they told them to dig... They all dug. And this account here is being written by someone who's not a Kloisenberger chassid, right? This was, many people wrote this in their memoirs, those who survived at the time. So whoever had anything, if a person had a spoon, had some kind of stick, or just with their bare hands and their fingernails, they started digging into the earth as far as they could. And suddenly, water started springing up from these holes in every place that they were lying, one after the other, like little geysers coming up. And their lips were already black from thirst, and, and they all started drinking. Eventually, one of the guards woke up, and he went and he looked, and he woke up the other guards. There was nothing they could do about it. There was water everywhere, and everyone was drinking to, their, to plenty. Right? They give here the names of many people who told this over, uh, which, uh, which was there. And uh, there's someone, actually my daughter's-in-law's great-grandfather, who was close to the Kloisenberger Rebbe, they quote him here, asking, he wasn't there at that time, he asked the Rebbe once, he said, did that really happen? He says, if people 
had questions about the well of Miriam. We see described going with Amisro in the, in the desert and such things. He says, someone who was there was able to understand the well of Miriam. Right? He says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has waters prepared for us. We have to know what, when, and how to dig. But the waters are there hiding. So again, it's there for them in that physical sense. And it was the Kedusha of the Rebbe that was able to touch it and untap it. But it's certainly there in the spiritual sense, in everything. Everywhere we are, what we do, we have to know how to dig. And if it's blocked up, so you have to know how to dig another way or to dig that well, but always to get the same waters, the waters that come from Hashem's Chesed but are protected by the boundaries of Yira. Okay, everybody have a wonderful evening, wonderful week, and a wonderful Chodesh coming up.